craft beer lovers and brewers like you and me are looking forward to safely enjoying a beer together in tap rooms across the nation and the world. Know what else we can look forward to this year? Brewery DB, the industry's only professionally curated source of brewery and beer information, is unveiling an all-new platform for brewers and fans of craft to find the ultimate brewery experience. Brewery DB is the most complete database of breweries and beers available. More than a million craft beer lovers visited breweries in 2019 after searching for and planning their visits at brewerydb.com. Breweries can get in front of craft beer lovers looking for a cold one by going to marketmybrewery.com and creating a profile. Craft beer lovers can follow Brewery DB on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn to get the latest updates on the new platform scheduled to launch early this year. The best part? It's all free. Good Beer Matters shares the stories of craft and culture found in every glass. And I'm excited to announce that the Good Beer Matters podcast and Brewery DB are collaborating this year to help you get to the bottom of it. Visit us at goodbeermatters.net and brewerydb.com to finally have the experience you've been missing. I'm Jeremy, and this is Good Beer Matters. home brewing was definitely my gateway in. If everyone could learn to taste like this, everyone's life would be improved and we'd appreciate not only the beer we drink, but everything. The National Drive is just way different and really intense compared to the other tests um, and just like the philosophy behind it. Fresh on the heels of taking the advanced Cicerone written test online, I thought, why am I working so hard to learn more about beer when on some level it's just beer? My next guest is not only an advanced Cicerone, but has also taken the master test. Together, we discuss prepping for and challenging these tests and why you should too. I've studied, traveled, and tasted my way through some of the best beer the world has to offer. Over the past few years, I've also spoken to beer industry leaders from around the globe. And one thing is certain, the art, the science, and the culture of beer has more of a profound effect on us than we realize. There's a story of craft and culture found in every glass, and I intend to get to the bottom of it. These are the stories of us, of great food and the beer that brings it all together. I hope you enjoy episode 66 of Good Beer Matters with advanced Cicerone writer and educator Mandy Naglich. Thank you so much for coming on to the Good Beer Matters podcast. I've been following you for a little while now. Um, you know, uh, you're doing a bunch of uh, beer writing and talking about home brewing and uh, Cicerone stuff, and you're bringing all that uh, knowledge and information to the uh, social media scape to, for all the rest of us that are following and trying to learn along the way. Um, so I'm very grateful that you're on the podcast and sharing all the stories that you have to tell. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you totally nailed it. I mean, my, my goal is to share how, how happy I am and the joy of beer, but also sneak in some education for people if they're uh, following along. So. Well, and, and so far it's working because um, I, I've already downloaded your uh, – uh, actually, after taking the advanced Cicerone test, uh, I found that you actually have a, uh, a PDF on beer flavors. I wish I had seen that before because that would have been really helpful, but I downloaded it afterwards just to 
make sure I'm on track. So, um, and we'll we'll talk about that uh, toward the end too. I want to make sure I send people your way, but um, but I, I'm super stoked that you're on the podcast. Um, but to kick things off, will you please introduce yourself and tell us about your background in the beer world? Yeah, so I'm Mandy Naglitz. I'm an advanced Cicerone and a 2016 gold medalist at the National Homebrew Competition. I've taken up home some other medals since then, but no golds. Um, and to your point, yeah, I specialize in tasting and beer flavor as far as what I study and what I'm interested in. And I actually teach some pretty fun workshops that have gone uh, virtual in that recently and um, round everything out with uh, writing about beer and food as a journalist. And so uh, I'm just going to kind of go down the list and kind of check the boxes and make sure we have everything. So please add to it if, if I've missed something. But you're an advanced Cicerone, <laughs> correct? Check. Yep. Uh, check. Uh, and you've challenged the uh, master Cicerone test. Um, um, yeah. And so you have some experience there. Uh, you uh, have a gold medal in the National Homebrew Competition. Yep. Check. Uh, beer educator. Okay. Uh, a writer for Vine Pear and, and many, many other uh, uh, publications uh, about beer and food. Definitely. What am I missing? Um, I, I, would, I would throw in workshop teacher in there, too, because that's uh, over the last kind of year or so has been what I've been having a lot, a lot of fun with uh, is doing wine tasting workshops and uh, beer flavor workshops. And and uh, I guess another thing we can add to the list is uh, you're a pandemic in, uh, spinning enthusiast. Is that is that also correct? Yes, I, I got the bike and I've been doing a. Be happy to talk to everyone about their favorite Peloton instructors because yeah, pre-pandemic I was not into it, and now I'm, I'm all about spinning <laughs> now that it's in my bedroom. Yeah. So, so did you get the uh, cycling jersey and the whole kit and everything just for the the spin bike? I mean, I, I have the shoes. I still pretty much wear my, my running gear um, on the bike, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll upgrade around Christmas. Well, that, that, like that's 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 next level spinning. So uh, we'll we'll have to talk <laughs> about that. But um, um, so tell us a little bit about how your uh, journey in this whole beer world began. How did you how did you uh, fall down this rabbit hole along with Alice and get you know pulled all the way in? Yeah, I think, I mean, I have to say it definitely started with food. I've always been a home cook, especially a home baker. And it just occurred to me, I make everything else in my life. You know, I make my own bread. I make everything. I was drinking beer. I, I was pretty into craft beer, um, but I wouldn't say I was super deep into it around 2012, 2013. And uh, I was like, oh, I could I could make this too. Like, why am I not trying to make this? <laughs> um, so I started home brewing and got really into it and uh, entered a couple competitions before NHC, got great feedback and it just was really motivating. And then um, when that happened in 2016, that's kind of when I started meeting more people. I was homebrewing alone before that and with my husband, now husband. Um, and then I started, people reached out to me and I kind of got more a part of the community and I realized how much there was to do here. So I have to, I have to say homebrewing was definitely my gateway in. Uh, and as far as home brewing goes, um, so you've actually, you know, like we just discussed, you've attained some pretty uh, high home brewing successes. Um, I guess the first question is, uh, what is what is really important to you as far as uh, getting better quality homebrew? I mean, how, I mean how, how do you achieve that national uh, gold medal winning uh, homebrew quality? Yeah, 
I think it's a combination of things. I mean, I'm definitely a meticulous note taker, just like with cooking, you know, I, I want to improve the recipe every time by just changing one factor and seeing how that comes out. Um, but definitely I think it's like hammered home in my column and everyone I talk to, it's all about fermentation control. I think when you first start brewing, brew day is so exciting and there's so much going on and you're, you want to make sure you hit your temperatures and you're turning on your pumps and everything else. But really what matters to a really high quality beer is what happens after brew day um, as far as maintaining temperature control and monitoring how you're ranting that fermentation. Uh, and, and so tell me a little bit more, uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Un- unpack what you do after brew day. Yeah, so I think, I mean, the first upgrade is just getting some kind of chamber to, with like a fermentation or a temperature controller hooked up to it. So mine's just a mini fridge. Um, But in that carboy, you know, I start right away, depending on the yeast, keeping it cool and letting the fermentation ramp slowly and then monitoring my gravities and ramping it up so I can really control, you know, those ester and phenol flavors. Um, Mm. I specialize in Belgian um, styles. So they, they really produce a lot of flavor and you have to keep track of that and they can, they can get themselves very, very hot if you let them. So having that fermentation control and letting it slowly ramp and deciding how much of that phenol or how much of that ester I want in the final beer, um, really allows me to make something that fits the style guidelines and do pretty well at competition. I, I I would uh, I, I am not a national homebrew uh, champion, uh, but I would agree uh, from everything I've heard and everything I've personally experienced. The day that I uh, bought a, uh, a chest freezer and hooked up a um, thermostat to it, um, not only am I able to when I'm not brewing, I'm able to use that as my quote unquote beer cellar. Um, but uh, when I have brewed, I've been able to actually brew lagers, and they've actually been good lagers. Uh, so, um, I, yeah, I, I think that that was huge in my uh, my path along home brewing. Uh, there, I, I would argue that there's many things that should come prior to that if you're just getting started. But that that was a that was a next level uh, operation for my experience. Yeah, definitely. I, I still have not uh, braved the lager yet. I'm a little too impatient. So, I, I've I've kind of um, I, it's almost like that's that's all I want to brew now, <laughs> because uh, it, it's like, well, here we are. We're recording this in the holidays, and uh, for me, anticipation is the the greatest emotion. Um, I mean, I would argue that uh, Christmas Eve is better than um, Christmas Day, uh, just because you're just so excited about it, and and lagering. Uh, it just takes so long that it's just all this built up anticipation and when it when it pays off it pays off big and and that's my story and I'm sticking to it yeah and it's always nice to have a lager around the house too it's nice easy drinking you know I'm brewing like dark strongs and golden strongs and everything like that so pretty much one and done on those yeah and and frankly um uh, as my wife can attest, uh, when I've got a nice, strong eight percent dark beer out in my uh, my my beer fridge, um, I'm going to drink it, <laughs> and, and, mm-hmm. and and that's also uh, kind of a problem. So having a nice, easy lager, um, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we we can digress on that uh, way, 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 way too far. Um, but so that's the homebrew stuff, and um, and hopefully we'll have a chance to circle back around because um, you you do a lot of writing about homebrew, at least 
from what I've seen, uh, you have a, a, a bunch of articles on vine pear about home brewing. Um, mm-hmm. Is is that a, a major component of your education that you're trying to get out? Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, I write a monthly column for them called Brew It Yourself. I think it's, yeah, DIY. Um, and I think it, it really nicely combines my uh, background as both like in the Cicerone education as well as home brewing. So I'm able to speak to both professional brewers or other award-winning home brewers about what makes what makes for great home brew and how to improve different styles um, and make it in a way that's really easy to read and approachable. Uh, and, and I've read a few of them. Um... And, and I started going through your website and looking at some of the blog posts and, and uh, um, I'm sorry, my, my brain is kind of on the fritz right now. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, there was, um, oh no, there was a, a number of things of how to level up your homebrew. And I think one of them was getting your beer fridge and getting a thermostat, if I remember right, um, that I just remember thinking, okay, good. I'm on the right track. I'm, I'm doing what I should be doing uh, according to uh, Beers with Mandy. So um, that was all good. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that was like one of my early 2020 columns was about, you know, if you're going to be home and home brewing more, what are ways that you can kind of do little projects um, during quarantine to improve your home brew? So not only are you helping try, uh, people try to uh, brew better, but you're also trying to help them taste better. Uh, tell me about your uh, your beer education as far as uh, tasting and, and, and um, educating people and all that. That, that aspect of the beer. Yeah, so as part of um, my study for Master Cicerone, I took a tasting certification class from a company called Araxa, which is one of the companies that makes the flavor spikes that you use to study off flavors. And it just like completely changed. I, I mean, it sounds dramatic, but it totally changed my life. Like I went into the class and was like, okay, I have to do this if I have to taste pass the tasting portion of Master Cicerone and I came out and I was just like if everyone could learn to taste like this everyone's life would be improved and we'd appreciate not only the beer we drink but everything we consume and make more Um, and so yeah that totally set me on a a new path of really caring about sensory and tasting perception and where did you find that class? So I actually spoke to a bunch of Master Cicerones when I was considering taking the test and Max Baker, who is one of the Master Cicerones at InBev, um, suggested it. And I think it's, I I don't want to say it's standard because everyone has their own approach to studying, but um, it's definitely something that's recommended, just like taking the draft class uh, for Micromatic. So Mm. it's kind of, I guess once you get to that point... uh, I don't want to say, yeah, an industry secret or a study a study tip that I'm, basically everyone knows. It's like you you don't have to take the class, but if you want to be a master, you need to take the class, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean it was it was done at a ballast point with their actual QA um, team that you know their sensory panel and training their sensory panel. So it's it's really useful for industry professionals too. I would say. I think we had three master sisters in the class, and the rest were working in the industry. So. Gotcha. Um, and let's, I want to continue on this thread that will lead us to, uh, you challenging the master test. Um, or challenging me. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah, agreed. I feel the same way with the advanced at this point. Um, uh, 
Uh, well, actually, let's back up a little bit. Um, so mm-hmm. tell us about your path through the levels of Cicerone and, and how you prepared for each each level and what you learned as a result of each test. Yeah, I... Good question. Um, I'm not... I found out about Cicerone ahead of NHC, um, just from, like, the homebrew forums and stuff. And I think I was already a certified beer server when I went to NHC in 2016. I actually did it with a couple guys as, like, a bet. I was like, who could take the test right now and pass with the highest score? <laughs> um, and so I will say, like, homebrewing is so... It, it was enough that I could like pass just from knowing like the styles from home brewing, knowing, you know, beer temperatures and production. Um, and then after that, Cicerone actually had like a happy hour at NHC. Um, and I decided to go for that test. And I, I think I actually maybe overstudied for that one a bit. Um, I had already known so much from brewing and thought I had to know so much more for the test. So, you know, a really great thing to do is just basically memorized tasting beer and I also used uh, Chris Cohen's beer scholar study guide but I read most of the books honestly on the advanced Cicerone uh, syllabus as well okay <laughs> gotcha um, so yeah passed that one uh, and then I waited a couple of years before I took advanced um, I think it was actually around the time that I went freelance that I thought oh I have time to study you know I'm not in a corporate job anymore uh, and went went for it, and passed that one on my first try as well. Congratulations! And then <laughs> I was just feeling momentum, and I was like, "Oh, I think it was I passed it." So I thought out I passed in March, and then the master was in October, and I was like, "Why wait a whole other year? Like I should just see what it's like and sign up." And I'm so happy I did because it is the master is just way different and really intense compared to the other tests um, and just like the philosophy behind it. So it was good to get my, uh, my, my first try in and really get my, my head on straight for the next attempt. Yeah. Just kind of, that's one of the things, at least I felt with the, the tests that I've taken, uh, taken is um, there, I, I never felt like there was a very clear description of, of the test. Of course we have the syllabus. They tell you exactly what they're going to test you on, but uh, and maybe I created the shroud of mystery uh, for each test, and so it was pretty stressful for uh, Cicerone and Advanced. Um, my own uh, experience uh, that uh, the beer server, I was already home brewer and working at a brewery, and felt pretty comfortable. I, I think I just kind of uh, um, boned up on some styles a little bit, passed it first try, no big deal. Um, and and uh, when I took my Cicerone. Uh, I realized uh, afterwards that my approach to studying was uh, was slightly flawed. Um, I was doing the shotgun approach where they said, here are all the books that you should read. So I just went and read all the books. I didn't look at the syllabus and, and you know, really pay attention to, I need to know this and that and this and that. I just read everything and studied everything. So in a sense, I was overprepared, um, but... Uh, but I, I, I missed the written test by 1%, and so I had to go back and retake that. And, and uh, so that was uh, mildly annoying. Um, uh, but then uh, going for advanced, I, I basically broke down the syllabus and said, okay, I need to know this, I need to know this, and I need to know this. And so I went out to make sure that I knew each one of those things uh, to, my, to my best knowledge. Is that about how you prepared um, for... Master just trying to be very sniper like. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll say about every level sister, and like they aren't trying to trick you. You will never get asked a question and be like, I, I had no idea this would be on the test. Like it's all, like you said, totally everything is on the system, the syllabus, um, including on master. It's just master's very much more hands on. Um, so like like I was mentioning, I I took the micromatic draft class for as preparation, um, and I draft is like my least. My, my worst thing, my least favorite thing, the only thing I know how to do is like balance my corny kegs that are in my keg grader in my um, closet. And I thought, okay, I took this class. Like I was able to, you know, hook up all these draft systems and troubleshoot them. I feel ready. And it's just the hands-on portions and master are just, it's exactly what the syllabus says. Like you need to be an expert in all of these areas. And I was just totally unprepared. Um, so I think, yeah, this time, like you said, going back through the syllabus and really thinking hands on, like, what are all the different things that they could ask me? Like, what does this syllabus actually cover? And I think, um, being ready for that. And I guess as far as a study, a study tip or a study, like how I studied is as much as you can, I think it's important to not feel like you're memorizing things. Um, which is why I think brewing is so helpful. Like you could do flashcards and memorize all the fermentation temperatures and, you know, try to go in with all this like memorized stuff. But I think if you understand it and you've had your hands on those things before, that will just be in your natural memory. So then you can concentrate your memorizing on things like the style parameters or, you know, things that you, that you just have to straight up memorize, like the compound names and things like that. And then as much as you can like conceptually understand other things like brewing and the brewing process and flavor, um, kind of getting those into your life instead of like thinking of them as flashcards. Yeah, I, I think I used uh, uh, flashcards, um, actually digital flashcards, uh, to memorize all the uh, compounds, uh, the flavor compounds, aroma compounds, mm-hmm. um, just just to, the repetition to get those in my head because there's a, there's a lot of um, uh, ethyls and methyls and and eights and naces right. and everything, so it, it, that's hard to keep it straight. Um, but when it came to styles and getting all the stats down, the ABVs, IBUs, SRMs, um, I did not trust my memory to to remember that this style is you know 4.9 to 5.3 and that one's um 4.8 to uh, 5.9 you know nine. it's um i i knew that i would not remember uh, uh, keep that straight so i created some um resources for myself t- so that i could kind of look at it at a macro level and just kind of look at the patterns and and try to memorize the outliers and 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 just kind of have a really good strong handle uh from a, a larger sense about how the styles work with the stats and I, for me that was mostly successful yeah and i think um i actually speaking of my blog i have like my djcp spreadsheet that I study from available as like a Google doc that you can copy and download. Mm-hmm. Um, because to your point, like I have in that spreadsheet, all the styles in order by ABV, all of them in order by SRM, all of them in order by IBU. Um, just because like you said, once you know, Oh, the, the most um, bitter Belgian beer is only this bitter, you know, it's like, you can kind of, like you said, see some patterns and no, you're not going to be above like I think what is it I think Trappist single is 45 IBU mm-hmm. um, and that's like the most bitter Belgian beer yeah 
hopefully I'm saying that right. <laughs> 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 um, yes. But yeah, these are the I, things I, that I think you're. I think I think you're right. I think it, I think that was uh, one of the ones that was uh, more bitter uh, among the Belgian things. Uh, looking at the patterns, but um, yeah. But uh, you know, I found with the. Each test really got into uh, exponentially um, deeper levels of detail, um, uh, and I've, I have not um, taken the master, and I have not uh, yet passed the advanced. Um, uh, and just for the record, and just for the record, I took the uh, uh, advanced written. I did well, um, but I have not taken the tasting yet. So uh, as of the as of this recording, just because of the pandemic. Um, Gotcha. And and so I'm, I'm I'm, but the nice thing is is I was able to focus on just what I needed to know for the written. So now I can then go focus on what I need to do for the um, the tasting. And and I know what my uh, written score was. And and uh, so th- this now I know this is what I need to do to pull this off for the tasting. So I I feel yeah I think strategically I think the it was good. Thing has totally like changed the game in a way. Like I think it's really cool that people who are taking certified can kind of break up the test and basically if you don't pass written a couple of times, you know, you don't have to go travel and do the tasting or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really cool that, yeah, that you can break up your studying like that. Yeah. Strategically, I, I thought it was an advantage. Um, and, and so mm-hmm. I, hopefully they'll continue doing that. Um, um, I've got a question for you. How are you engaging with your customers? Are you adding value or just vying for attention? If you have a business, then you are an authority and should be regarded as a partner in everyone's mutual success. But getting that message across in the first place, that's the trick. At Mountain Sea Media, I use education and storytelling to keep your brand on top of mind. So if you're done with ineffective marketing and want to create more impact, I want Mountain Sea Media to be your resource for high-value branded content. Contact me at jeremy at mountainseamedia.com to explore the possibilities. After all, it's your story. I'll help you tell it. Uh, but as far as, you know, testing for this stuff, um, you know, I knew exactly what they were going to ask because we, we have the syllabus. They tell you this is what mm-hmm. we're going to ask you. And and that shroud of mystery that surrounded the test when I went into it uh, was all in my own head and all of my own creation. Um, and, you know, just kind of nerves, you know, you kind of build it up. This is big. I got to pass this. Um, but it, it's all there for us to see and prepare for. But just the level of detail uh, in the advanced test, uh, I was just so impressed with. And, and well, like you and I were talking about, knowing the patterns and just seeing the generalities and, and knowing where the outliers are. Um, when they start asking questions like, uh, which beer style has this SRM and that uh, IBU and, and, and this ABV, and that's all you have to go on, uh, it... it uh, you know, I felt like I was a, a master sommelier saying, oh, I taste this. So that must be um, this country, this year, this uh, side of the slope. It, it, you can use those clues to really narrow it down into um, something. And I was really impressed that how much detail was in that, uh, in these questions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm a little removed from the test. <laughs> I think I took it February 2019. So I... I and I have like mastered my brain as the most recent, but I, I do remember, especially, yeah, you know, the oral part of the dance really getting detailed and 
pushing you to, to know more than just the basics. But the question I have for you is how much more detail was master than advanced? Um, I, I honestly, <laughs> so I, what I think about like advanced and certified and even uh, your server, I think those are really tests. Like it, you can study for them like a test, you have your syllabus, you can write, you know, I don't know. It's like very much a test and master was so, so hands-on and so much more than just like studying and knowing, knowing the parameters or knowing the flavors. It's really that you're like a consummate peer professional and you can go out into the world and speak to any style at the drop of a dime. And they really, I mean, I, I have a hard time comparing the master to the advanced. Um, so I, I think, I don't know if everyone knows like that the structure of master, but it's mostly, or at least half oral and uh, like demonstration um, questions. So you're talking to another master of throne, they're pushing you on every aspect of, you know, a food pairing. They're, they're saying, okay, how would you pair this with a full meal? What would you change if it was this example of the style instead of this one? Add some cheeses in there, you know, just every every aspect of food of your pairing. Instead of, you know, on advance, they, they had you taste the dish and said, I think it was like, would this beer work? Yes or no. What other beer do you think would work? Um, I think uh, on on the certified, um, uh, we were asked, you know, okay, you know, what would you pair and why? Um, on advanced, we actually were tested on on uh, how would you use, you know, given these two dishes, pick two beers for each dish, and how would you use them? How would you incorporate them into cooking, not pairing, but cooking mm-hmm. with the beer? And I, that, that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's like the last section on the syllabus, right, of the beer pairing is cooking with beer. I don't yeah, know if that's I believe so, on yeah. the certified syllabus. Um, maybe it is, because actually it's kind of funny if you look at the page, the syllabus, syllabi, I don't know, <laughs> of um, every level, I think the first page is almost exactly the same on all of them. And to your point, you're just going deeper and deeper in detail into those different categories. Yeah, it, it's... Uh... It's impressive. It's daunting. It's it's both uh, nerve wracking and wonderful at the same time. Um, which kind of begs the question. Um, you know, I I know my reasons for uh, taking it thus far, but why are you pursuing master? What's what's the uh, return on investment when you get to those deeper levels? That's a great question. I think I answer it differently every time someone asks. Me. <laughs> but I think I think the most important thing to me is just that to what I was just saying about how hard the test is, it, it continues to push me. And I like the structure around um, getting deeper into all aspects of beer. Like I said, if it wasn't for this test, I definitely would not be thinking about draft systems and the equipment that goes into serving our beer correctly. Um, so I think it, it just really helps me understand all sides of the industry. And I, I think I have a lot to say about beer and I would like to have that certification to in a way, I guess, like back me up or kind of get my foot in the door as an expert um, and then share my point of view, which I think is a little different than a lot of people who have the certification at this point. I, that's, a, that's a really good answer. Um, the, just the fact that you, you have something to say, you're pushing yourself, and and um, you, uh, for me, at least, uh, I, I feel the same way. Um, 
especially the podcast. I, I want to share this information. I want to get this out there. But I don't want to have to work so hard just to get a shot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'd like to do the hard work so that, you know, these levels of Cicerone and everything that that I've already done will open up the door so so we can just have the conversation. Uh, right. it, it sounds like you're kind of doing the same thing, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think um, one thing that I <laughs> would maybe be lacking, there's just not a ton of different points of view right now in um, – the class of master uh it's a lot of people in the back with the background in the brewing industry and there's just not like a ton of a diversity there i think a lot of the women who have this invitation have worked at citron at one point and um for example my friend asa who is also awesome she's on um she's at beard paired life on instagram but she's oh, yeah. taking masters we're studying together and she's i don't know if there is any other asian americans who have taken the test or been encouraged to take the test um so I think the more points of view we can get in that class that are bringing up other points of view and kind of showing how diverse our industry can be, I think it's really important. Well, you just launched us on a complete segue that I did not plan for, but I, I love it and I want to talk about this. Um, um, this is something I think about all the time, but uh, being a white male, I feel kind of shy about bringing this up. Um, in in the world of beer, just looking at the beer styles and the cultures from which they come, you have just mm-hmm. immense, immense diversity. Um, and the stories, the, the thing I love about beer is just the stories that come mm-hmm. from why this beer is the way it is and how it came to be and, and it just showing the struggles, the uh, the the cultural changes as a, uh, as a result of technology and, and necessity. Um, and here we are today where we're having a larger conversation about, about, um, diversity in our culture these days. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think beer is not only just the logistics of, Hey, let's have a beer. Let's get a little bit of alcohol and good flavor in our system to kind of loosen things up and we can just talk. But it's also a great metaphor to get us in there. Um, uh, since you just alluded, uh, I, I've tried to get, um, I've tried to reach out to Asa as well, and hopefully I can get her on the podcast. But um, you have all these She's different, great. you have all these different perspectives coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, you you're getting your um, or you're pursuing higher levels of uh, Cicerone, and, and so am I, because we have a voice, we have something to say. When we finally have that voice and we have that opportunity, what are we going to say when we have that shot? What are you going to say when you have that shot? Oh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> I have not even thought about a past test day, so I don't know about what I'll, I'll be saying. But I think now, I, I think, I already think we're expanding. To your point, you said, you know, the background of styles is so diverse. And um, it is in some ways, like when you look at the countries everything comes from, but in other ways, it's, it's really not. And I think people like Lars who are pushing what actually is a farmhouse ale and why have we ignored some of the tradition, traditional beers from places like Norway, um, the brewers in Japan who I think are doing really cool things and doing different styles. Um, you know, it is a, a diverse background, but also it's how, how can we raise up these other brewing traditions that we don't think about just because they're not in like our beer education bible which is the bjcp style guidelines Mm -hmm. um and i have to give them so much credit i mean i can't imagine how difficult it is to decide what makes the cut there but um 
I think just thinking about the different ways we can explore. And to your point, you know, if we have a platform, I've built a little community on Instagram and I try to show the different things that I'm, I'm discovering, you know, I'm very into sushi as a side hobby, but, um, I know I, I've you know. watched your Instagram. I know you're into sushi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's really cool when I go and I ask, you know, what, what would you drink with this to our, the chefs? Um, and you know, I'm trying things like Japanese IPAs that have like just such a strong lemongrass flavor from the hops that they're using. And, um, you know, what, what Japanese, the Japanese culture considers a saison and there's, there's new and like cool craft beers coming out of there. I had a, a beer with like umeboshi in it, which is just an ingredient we don't think about. And I think, I don't even know if that's part of the conversation, those kind of beers. So I don't know if people are typically asked, I think they're always shocked when I'm like, what beer would you drink? You know, so many people are drinking sake or wine. So um, yeah, I just think that asking those kind of questions I don't need to be a master's of friend to ask them and try to bring up their profile. Um, but it would be a nice platform if I was. <laughs> well, and I just love, uh, you know, it's kind of like a little uh, fantasy um, and kind of one of the things that drives me to do more of this. Um, for me, I, I, as much as I love beer, and, and I suspect you might be the same way, as much as I love beer, it, it is just a tool to serve a a higher purpose. And I, I kind of mm-hmm. have this little fantasy that someday, you know, you get all these beer experts, um, uh, whatever, whatever, whether they're master advanced or certified or, or BJCP, whatever it is, just have all these people mm-hmm. who love beer, um, for what it is. And that is the thing that unites them together and brings them together around this big ass round table, but you have people that you have men, you have women, you have different colors, different races. Um, and, and they're all coming together with their own agenda, their own, uh, viewpoint and kind of sharing the ideas of how beer can, um, how you can look at beer this way. And, oh, I didn't think about that. And you can, I can look at beer this way. Ooh, I didn't think about that. And I hope that I'm at that table one day with my recorder because I want to capture that and just see what beer can actually do on a larger scale. Yeah, definitely. And um, to that point, you know, there's people who, like we were saying, don't have these certifications, but are going out there and figuring it out. Like UG Brown, who uh, started the Road to 100 program, which I'm, so happy she asked me to be a mentor on. I've gotten to meet so many cool women that I just wouldn't have met, but she basically figured out a way through fundraising and I think through some help from the sister organization to get um, 100 certified beer server scholarships for women from diverse backgrounds. Um, and we've basically been helping them study for the test so they can pass and start their own journey and have this new voice. And I think I mean, I just think she's been doing so much organizing, working so hard. It's a really cool initiative. And it's something that, you know, from my point of view, I, I wish I thought about that to start something like that. And like, she's so great. She's coming from her point of view. She sees that people like her are missing and she's like, okay, I'm going to figure this out and get a hundred women into this program and get their journey started. And that's like totally what we need to think about. It's just like the, the bottom not the but like what's the first step that you take because once they're taking those steps they'll be like you and i and meet new people and you know continue their journey but it can be like that first step or that first decision to go for it that's like so scary and you can feel so alone and will you tell me the name of that program again i'm going to put that in the show notes yeah i so i believe the 100 scholarships is called um 
road to 100. I know that's the hashtag she's been using. But then she uses a hashtag across everything called more bridges, less barriers. That is just about bringing in new voices into the uh, beer community and encouraging people to share why they like beer. Okay, that that's a story I'm not familiar with, so we'll have to... Uh, oh, yeah, we'll you have should to totally explore that. She's great. Well, and I, I want to try and make sure I link that and look it up and try and share that story, too. Um, that Yeah, for me, that's that's what this whole beer thing is about. That's why, mm-hmm. you know, I ask, why are you pursuing Master? What's your what's your return on investment there? And, and I think um, uh, I ask that question myself. Why am I doing this to myself? Why am I spending so much time away from my wife and children and shirking mm-hmm. my house duties and uh, all for the sake of uh, drinking more beer off in my, uh, off in my office? Um uh, th- this this is why this is why we're doing this. This is why I do the podcast. There's more. There's more than meets the eye to all this stuff, and and so hopefully, but you but you talk about a voice. So, um, so right now you said that you're focused just on passing the master test. Um, what's your plan for afterwards? Um, have you have you thought much about what's next? Um, you know. <laughs> Before the pandemic and everything, I always said I'd never considered like opening a brewery or thinking about one, but it's it's crept in during 2020. I mean, that would be like a long-term plan. Um, and I think, you know, beyond just tasting beer, I've really gotten into flavor research. And so um, I've been collecting, I think there's a book brewing there. But uh, for now, I'm just trying to get more outlets focused more and more on beer. A lot of my coverage actually focuses on food and baking. Um, so I'm trying to get more beer in there. I actually have a piece that's coming out in Good Beer Hunting today, which is my first for them, which is exciting. Oh, cool. Um, Congratulations. That's big. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. So I think it's just like you, like we were talking about, you know, figuring out what it's so easy to say. <laughs> like, this is all pointless, pointless. It's just about beer. Like, why am I even doing this? And really figuring out, like, what is what is beer and like why do I care about it and what what is it a, a pathway to um so I think just expanding that message and trying to get on more more platforms more outlets and figuring it out that's that's awesome um uh so uh, I've got a couple questions that kind of essentially wind down this conversation um uh-huh. but I want to find out uh you know if you uh, well, let me think. Let me write it. Let me say it this way: If if you uh, could be the beer queen of the uh, of the world for the day, I mean, you know, you, anything can happen. You're the queen. You just say it, and it happens. What would you change? Um, <laughs> this is like a silly, but I think everyone should be drinking more uh, Belgian beer styles, more super dry saisons, more like fun fruity uh, Abbey ales. I think. I just never got into the hazy IPA thing. I think I, I loved trying Hill Farmstead and the Alchemist when they first came out, but it just hasn't been my thing. And um, Pastry Stout, same thing. I really think those that different yeast character from Belgian yeast, I just wish people would give it a try because I feel like once they try it, they like it. Same thing with sour beers. Um, but I just see so much hazy IPA out there and I'm worried if craft beer devolves into that. Um, everyone's going to be heading for the seltzer shelf because it's a lot to drink those hazy IPAs all the time. It's funny you say that. Um, I, I'm grateful for those beer styles that bring people into the craft beer fold. 
Um, mm-hmm. But being a person like you, I, I've already gone there. I've moved on. Um, I'm, I'm no longer in the uh, intro uh, level for beer. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate what they are. But uh, with a lot of a lot of stuff that's coming out, I, I fear that we've reverted back to the uh, taste great, less filling uh, culture of beer. And and um, we we need a we need to kick this craft beer thing uh, up a notch. I don't know how, but we need to do it. Yeah, it's like taste, taste juicy, more lactose or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the whole milkshake IPA. It's like, wow, those are kind of fun. And like, a, hey, yeah. the ice cream man is driving by. Let's go get a big stick. But uh, but it's it's not something I, I want to drink on a on a happy hour on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so if you could choose your very last meal and your very last beer before you depart this earth, what would they be? Oh, that's so hard. I mean, for beer, I, I always say Bimble's my favorite, but this was my last year. I got to go Orval, not too old. Um, but my last meal, I don't know. I mean, I'm, especially if you said you checked out my blog, I'm a big cheese plate, cheese board fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would probably be some kind of, it wouldn't even be like a full meal. I think it would just be some of my favorite cheeses and charcuterie that I can combine and taste with the beer and have a little adventure before I go, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Now, since you are a, uh, a, a challenger of the master test, a candidate of master Cicerone, um, I'm going to ask you the Orval, uh, how, how aged do you prefer your Orval? <laughs> Under six months, I, over six months. Uh, you no, know, I think I, like just over a year is probably like ideal where it's really starting to get more of that Brett character, but it's not totally funky crazy um i so, like the freshness a little bit um, so you like a little funky hold on to a little a little hot character but um i like i definitely like some funk all right i think i mean the super aged ones have a place but uh i like relatively relatively new. I, I, I noticed a pattern in myself that uh, when I have a cheese and charcuterie plate, I'm more prone to enjoy funky beer than when mm-hmm. I'm just having something else. Um, and I just had a birthday recently and I and I put together a cheese and charcuterie plate and had a nice funky farmhouse beer from Jester King. And, and, um, and I was thinking, well, may, maybe this is my uh, death day uh, dinner. But... Um, <laughs> but it, but it was like you know the funk and the cheese and had some uh, really really funky uh, raclette that sent everyone else in the room like to the other side of the room they they couldn't handle it but it was so good. Yeah, that, rec- that the raclette definitely has that like aroma too that hits you first before you taste it. Um, yeah, but, in, but yeah, and <laughs> so King, good. I lived in Texas for eight years, so Jester King, of course, um, big fan. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I love what they do. Um, uh, yeah, it's just the fact that they make these really interesting beers, but they do it in a fairly approachable way is just like, I don't know how they pull that off, but they take kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum and put them together and it works. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, so the next question I have for you, uh, given all your experience and all that you do with beer, why does good beer matter? <laughs> um. Good question. I mean, I think we covered a lot of that today, but I think, like you said, I I think it's pretty cool that when you, when someone says, oh, you know, I'd want to get to know this person, like, who's the person I'd want to have a beer with? Or, you know, when Anthony Bourdain and Barack Obama got together for a beer, that was like such a big thing. It was just showing, you know, it was a casual conversation and he was a real guy. And I think it's nice that it can be a common denominator, but also, you know, be interesting and 
there's endless styles and style combinations that I think you can explore forever. So a lifelong journey is something that matters. Oh, that's wonderful. I haven't heard I haven't heard that response yet. So thank you for adding a new one to the list. Um, oh, awesome. Um, so uh, how can people, if anyone listens to this and they're like, "Ooh, I gotta I gotta connect with Mandy and learn more about beer," uh, where can they go to connect with you? Yeah, I'm beers with Mandy everywhere. My website, Instagram, Twitter, all of those things, Facebook. Um, and to your point, I have a little. Uh, flavor PDF that was basically my my notes for studying for Master Cicerone um, that's on my website that if people are listening to this and interesting and interested in studying for Advanced or Master I think is helpful and I've gotten good feedback on so that's there too. Uh, and I, I did uh, purchase that. I did download that. It's really good. Um, and anyone listening, I, 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 you know, please forgive me. I'm just going to say this. You need to charge more than $4 for that thing. That That is... <laughs> Yeah, that, it that's worth. That's, someone told me I should up it. So. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, so, and if you change your prices after this, and I get some hate mail, I'll be like, all right, I did my job. Um, yeah, that yeah, that that was way too cheap, but um, but I'm I'm grateful for it. So I figured, okay, I, I owe her some promotion for it. So go out and and get her a PDF right now before she changes her prices because it's way way it, it's like. It, it's like it, it's the cost of a cheap beer, not even a good beer. So, um, yeah, get it now while you can. Um, do you? Yeah. La, last question. Do you have any final wisdom or a call to action for anyone listening? Oh, so um, no, I think you know if you haven't, go try a Belgian beer, especially saison. Um, and I think if you're passionate about beer and you feel like you have something to say, you know, there's people out there who want to talk to you. I think when I was getting started in beer, I was always nervous that I was outside the industry and no one would want to hear from me or I didn't know enough to talk to people. And it's just totally not true. I think everyone's excited to talk about things that they're passionate about. So if there's someone you've always wanted to reach out to, you should go ahead and do it. Perfect. Perfect. Um, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I appreciate your insight and, and all the work that you've been doing out there for all of us. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Beer mastery is not necessarily for everyone. However, if you found your purpose and your passion in beer, then pushing yourself to advance is a natural step. I hope the tips and strategies found in this podcast help you along your path, and I can't wait to see where it takes you next. In the next episode, we dive headfirst into beer marketing, design, awards, and learn what it takes to crush it. Good Beer Matters is a show about great beer, great friends, and the experiences we create together. But it's also about better beer education so you can level up your game. So if you're a beer and food professional or even a beer enthusiast, then please subscribe to Good Beer Matters podcast and go to goodbeermatters.net for more resources and next steps. After that, grab a beer hang out with friends, and let the world open up. Thank you for listening. Cheers.